time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Dramas, movies, and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. Uncheck it out with Paul. Got a very itchy back, Paul, at the have moment. You, yeah. Have you washed yourself recently? I washed actually last night and yeah. this morning okay. for you because I know Paul was coming in and I knew you were going to wear your lovely pineapple shirt that Nian is commenting on. Thank you, Nian. I knew you were going to have a lovely haircut that Sarah Louise is commenting on. Thank you, Sarah Louise. Um, and so I thought I would make the effort, but... Got an itchy back. Yeah, my wife noticed I had these little red spots on my back yesterday. Yeah. And they've kind of swollen up a bit now. Now they're really itchy. I'm getting a little worried. Do you want me to pop them for you? Could you scratch them for me? We do a live pop on air. Uh, Puss pop on air. Yeah. That sounds disgusting, doesn't it? It would be a proper (laughs) (laughs) K-pop. How's your week been, Paul? It's been all right. been very busy. You've been doing some performances, watching some performances? Watching performances. I I did performances last week. This week I'm watching because there's an international summer festival of children's theatre in Seoul at the moment. So I have the delight and the pleasure of going to see all these shows from Korea and around the world and getting lots of interesting ideas. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. That sounds amazing. That's being run by, I never know how to pronounce the... Asitej. Asitej Korea, which is the Association for Theatre for Children and Young People. There's Asitejs in pretty much every country, every major country around the world. Oh, in the UK as well? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, There's a festival cool. there too. There's festivals in France. Uh, I may be going to Cuba next year <gasps> for their artistic gathering. That's amazing, isn't it? Because I introduced it, not because I saw your social media, but just like an advert popped up on social media for me for Asitej yeah. and the festival. And I think I butchered the pronunciation on the weekend. So, listeners, if you're interested, Asitej, spelled A-S-S-I-T-E-J? That's right. Okay. If you search for Asitej International, that'll take you to the links to all the organisations around the world. Wow. And if you have kids, yeah. uh, or you know people who have kids, <laughs> it can be a really great way to introduce them to lots of exciting, really good theatre. Lovely stuff. Can you go if you don't have kids? I, I go. Yes, of course you can. Yeah. I mean, the, the theatre, the performances are for for children and for families, yeah. but certainly if you're interested, mm-hmm. as I am, because I make that kind of theatre, you can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but know that you're not the target audience. No, okie dokie. Um, I just to get a weird personal curiosity. Do you get it free because you're involved in it? Or? Uh, yes. Oh, lovely. Can yeah. I say I'm you and get him free as well? If no. I pretend this is a beard like my fingers? No, no, I don't think so. I have, I've paid for many shows before, but now I'm actually, I'm a board member wow. of the organisation, so uh, I, I have an affiliation and um, it's my duty to see as many of the shows as possible <sighs> because I may well be helping pick the next lot. If they're listening, I don't think they'll be very happy with you. A Why? board member, not an excited member. <laughs> Sorry. What's the oh, story God. we are going to be looking at today? Okay, let's let's move swiftly on to um, to a fantastic tale today. Okay. I've brought you an epic tale of a family trying to survive through the 20th century and beyond. It is called Cholduwon uh, Samdae, or Meta 210, oh, 2-10. It's by Hwang Sok Young. It's translated by uh, Sora Kim Russell and Young J. Josephine Bay. Um, I should explain the title because I don't yeah. think many people will know what it means. I don't know what it means in either language. 
Mater 210 is the name of a train, uh-huh. a North Korean train that was captured by the South Korean army during the Korean War. In real life? Yeah. Oh. And its wreckage sat abandoned in the DMZ for many years until it was retrieved and repaired in the oh. early 2000s. Interesting. Uh, it became National Registered Cultural Heritage 78, and it's now at the Unification Park at Imjingak. And it's a symbol of... the war it's a symbol of the divisions upon the p- peninsula mm. and it's an image that is familiar to a lot of koreans especially those who uh, lived through the 1900s and so we have a story about a family a family whose lives are intertwined with trains and the railway and whose struggles reflect the struggles of many laborers during the japanese occupation and beyond it's a big thick book but it's a fascinating one oh what an interesting story and interesting Interesting that it's got some reality in there as well. So in fact, the tale itself is complete fiction. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, the family is fictitious. However, it was inspired by um, Hwang, Hwang Sok Yong's, uh, Yong's uh, visit to North Korea back in the late 80s ah. when he met a man who was from Yong Dong Po in Seoul. Uh, and they talked, I think, twice. They had long conversations about life. And, and uh, Hwang, of course, is very familiar with that area as well. And so that sort of was the starting point. Mm. Um, this, this novel also acts like a history book. Oh. is that he's had a lot of detailed information about what was going on. So while oh. the family is fictitious, yeah. while the main characters are fictitious, some of the actual incidents mm. and the goings-on of the time come from the truth, come oh, from history. Oh, that sounds incredibly interesting. Have we heard from Hong Sok-yong before? A few times, yes. Uh, I, I admire him so much. I think he's, he's an incredible writer. Um, his writing... Um, is not something that you can read lightly. You need to to sort of dive into it and get into it, but it's absolutely brilliant. Um, He was um, born actually in China. He's Mm -hmm. Korean, but born in China in 1943. And then uh, two years later, after the liberation of Korea, his family returned to Korea. Mm -hmm. He studied philosophy at Dongkuk University. And in the 60s, he was very active in the protest movements, the democratic protests. Uh, He was arrested. He got sent to prison. He had to serve in the army in Vietnam and had a horrific time there. Oh, dear. And he wrote. And through the 70s, he wrote novels and short stories and was politically active. He went to prison again in 1985 Mm. um, because he was the person who put his name as the author of the Kwangju Diary, Beyond Death, Beyond the Darkness of Age. He protected the real Mm. writers of that book so that the truth could get out there back in 1985. And then he got arrested again after he went to North Korea. Uh, served five years in prison. He was then pardoned by President Kim Dae-jung. Um, he's still writing. This is a recent book. I think it was published in Korean in 2000. It's only just been published in English. Oh, nice. Um, he is a political writer. He is someone who's interested in highlighting the struggles of ordinary people. And I love that we have quite a few of his books translated into English because I think they're, they're must-reads. Fantastic. We've heard a lot from Sora Kim Russell, one of the translators on this, but also together a collabo project. Yes, Young J. Josephine Bay is the other translator on this project. The two of them uh, have worked together. I believe this is the first uh, novel uh, that Young J. Josephine Bay has translated. Mm. She's been translating for the past seven years or so. She won the 2019 LTI Career Award for Aspiring Translators and the 2021 Career Times Modern Career Literature Translation Award. Um, and you can actually read her translation online if you search for The Tall, the Tall Dwarf by Park Hyung-soo and Young J. Josephine Bay. 
Josephine Bay, oh. then her excerpt will come out and you can read that. Nice. She's actually a translator of non-fiction, and mm. I'm really curious about the two books she's translated. Ooh. One is called A Global History of Ginseng, Imperialism, Modernity and Orientalism. Wow. And the other is Imaginary Athens, Urban Space and Memory in Berlin, Tokyo and Seoul. Uh, two Korean books translated into English. Nice. And of course, Sora Kim Russell, she's a regular feature on the show. Amazing translator. Um, I'm looking forward. She's got a new translation coming out this year from Pyeon Hae-young, um, the horror fantasy writer. The whole one, right? Uh, yeah, the whole was uh, the Shirley that. Jackson Award winner. I'm really looking forward to that, of course. Um, and again, she's one of those people, one of those translators, when her name is on the book, yeah. you're like, okay, I trust this. I'm going to read this. Seal of approval. Where are we going to pick up today's tale? We're going to start at the very beginning. We're going to start with one of the main characters who's actually the youngest. He's in his mid-50s, oh. and he's in modern day. His name is Yi Jino, and he's in the middle of a protest. Okay, let's check it out. Yi Jino set up his toilet on the opposite side of the catwalk, as far away from his tent as possible. On his first attempt, he tried holding onto the railing, but his upper body wouldn't stop tipping forward. He had to press hard with his big toes to not lose his balance. Flexed as tight as eagle claws inside his sneakers, those toes were the only thing keeping him from falling on his face or his bum. He didn't dare miss the target. He looked down between his legs to see if his waist was dropping into the small plastic container he'd placed on the catwalk. It had taken him a while to come up with this solution. At first, he'd used plastic bags to store his feces, but they were useless at containing the smell and he worried about them leaking. But then a stomach ache one day had prompted his support team to bring him rice porridge for breakfast. After three meals of the stuff, he'd finally started to feel better. And it had occurred to him then that the porridge containers were the perfect size for a makeshift toilet. The stench was awful in the limited space of the catwalk, but once he snapped the lid back on and wrapped the container up tight in a plastic bag, the air was breathable again. And soon, as he put in his request for empty containers, his support team procured a dozen and sent them up a few at a time. He used each container once before sending them all down, and his team washed and dried them carefully before sending them back up again. This time, after sealing up his waist, Gino stood for a moment with his hands on the railing, gazing down at the unchanging view of the city. The sun was just beginning to poke its face over the horizon, and the first flush of dawn had spread through the clouds. Buildings of different heights downtown and the towering apartment complexes reminded him of a jungle. He could see a line of trees along the roadside and more trees in Yoido Park off to the right. May was the colour of new leaves. The Omokyo Bridge, where he'd played as a child, was now all concrete. But the stream below still flowed as true as ever into the Hangang River. This perch that Gino had clambered up to a month earlier in the dead of night was the top of a chimney at the edge of a public power plant. It stood 45 metres high, similar to a 16-storey apartment building. He was used to most apartment buildings nowadays being 20, 30 storeys, which was maybe why the chimney hadn't looked all that tall, or made him dizzy to look down from it. 
but the catwalk encircling it was so narrow and yet so open on all sides that, at first, he'd very nearly walked right over the railing into thin air. The chimney was six metres in diameter, and the catwalk was one metre wide, and about twenty paces in circumference. No, only sixteen paces, in fact, since he couldn't count his sleeping area. If you are in Jeju, 88.7 in Jeju City, 88.1 in Sogipu City, 101.9 in the Daejeon area. Tigerish says there seems to be a common theme for the authors Paul likes to bring in. What? What is that common? What, what theme, is that Tigerish? common theme? What is, is it? it? What is, is it? it? What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Maybe depressing in some way like i don't know i just felt yeah that there wasn't anything outright depressing and dark about this but something something oh heavy. yeah look the thing is it's not about what i choose to bring in mm. the, the the fact is that korea went through a really hard time yeah for a hundred years and before that there was hard times as well and that means that's influenced all of culture whether you like it or not, there's a darkness to a lot of Korean films, Korean dramas, uh, and Korean literature. Um, so apologies, um, but there's there's good, there's bad, there's happy, there's sad in this book. It's a roller coaster ride. You're gonna have to apologize to Nian as well, because I was just gonna say this is not a good read to listen to while eating breakfast. Poop poop poop. So look in the porridge tubs. I really could see this. Happening. But this is the thing. But this is this. I, I picked this not just that it's the first uh, first part of the book. Mm. Is that this reflects how hard Gino's um, experience is going to be? Mm-hmm. What he has to do to survive while he's on protest. Yeah. Um, I've got Sherry Russell uh, saying, Paul, very descriptive book. Paints a very detailed scene that I can definitely see with my mind's eye. I'm, look, I'm sorry, this is the reality of protesting. And Hartley saying, is he camping out in protest? Things will get bad when the weather changes. Yes, he is oh. camping out in protest. And oh. he's planning to be up there for a long time. And Jennifer's asking, yeah, why the catwalk? What's the significance of protesting there? What's um, he doing? On, is it chimney yeah it's a chimney of a power plant okay. uh if you've been in korea for any significant period of time especially i think in the early 2000s or 2010s mm. you will have seen news footage of one person protests uh-huh. be them on the top of chimneys or on the top of cranes yeah. where people will camp out there for weeks and months at a time mm-hmm. um he's not the first to do it he's not going to be the last He's in his mid-50s. Yeah. He's worked in factories for a quarter of a century. Oh. But his factory got shut down. He okay. was supposedly fired, but in fact they sold it off to another company. Oh. And so he and his fellow workers, they've been trying to fight for their jobs. They oh. just want their jobs back. It's not fair how the company did that. Exactly. Okay. So here he is on top of this chimney. He gets his meals delivered by pulley. <laughs> he spends his days and nights alone, um, and it could be for weeks or months to come because usually nothing happens for the first year Ah. it's only after a year's gone by that really people take notice so we start we start the story in his company but at night you know he 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 dreams of his childhood haunts the places where he used to go the people he used to see Mm. and we start to sort of get involved in his family's past okay and we meet various family members like uh 
his grandmother, and she's a woman who's clairvoyant. She's got oh. special sight. There's his grandfather, whose official name is Ilcho, uh-huh. uh, but his family call him Hanswe. Okay. And his great uncle Icho, whose family call him Dusue. Ah. Ilcho uh, and Hanswe means one steel. I see. And Icho Dusue means two steel because okay. their father is involved with the railroads, mm. with metalwork. Um, and his grand, uh, sorry, his great grandfather is Beckman. Okay. His great great aunt Magum, and his father Jisan. Uh-huh. So this is the family that's being focused on. Okay. Um, and we learn quick off how his father came home from the war with one leg gone oh, on no. crutches. How he got injured the the day he came back to Setmal in Yeongdungpo where they lived. Mm. How he met his wife to be Bongne. Uh-huh. And so we then start flitting back and forth. We get moments with Jino on top of the chimney okay. and how he's learning to deal with living in this cramped space but also dealing with not not meeting anybody, not talking to anybody. <sighs> Maybe the odd phone call or okay. the odd message but that's it. Wow. Um, and then we zoom back to Setmal. Uh-huh. Uh, so it sort of comes back to life at night and he starts to sort of zoom back to stories of his past. Like we learn about his great-grandfather Beckman mm-hmm. um, and how he lucked into working for a Japanese shopkeeper when he was a little kid. Ooh. And then he got a job at a rice mill and then he became an assistant in training for the railworks. That's how he started life. Yeah. And then we learn of his great-grandmother, Juandek. Uh-huh. And... I can't tell you all the stories about sure. them, but for example, one one time when there was a huge flood in Seoul yeah. where m- people almost lost their lives, uh-huh. but because of her, people survived. Wow. But then how she died young. Oh, no. And then how she stayed with the family, how she would appear as a spirit Ooh. to his uh, great-great-aunt Magum and to Ilcho and to Ilcho's wife, Gumi Halmoni. Mm. Her spirit was always there close by in important times. Wow. So we, it sort of all builds up, mm-hmm. and I'm just giving you a very brief overview because yep. I want you to read this book. Mm-hmm. There's so much detail, so many stories in it. And we go back to Gino, and he's spent 100 days now on the chimney. Wow. And he sees these empty water bottles, and he thinks, I'm going to carve names into them, oh. names of the people I loved who are now gone. That's nice. Carves their names, and then they come to life for him. They visit him one by one. Oh, wow. They, make it, they literally appear uh-huh. before him and take him to places and, and talk about things with him. And then we also learn about his grandfather, Ilchal, and mm-hmm. his uh, great-uncle, Ichal. The older one wants to be a locomotive engineer. <laughs> the younger one is destined to be a communist freedom fighter. Okay. And we learn how Gummi Halmoni met the two brothers and also what she talked to Gino about and what impact his grandfather and great-uncle had on his own life. And this next excerpt is him sort of talking about that as we get towards the point where Gummi is going to meet the love of her life, oh. but also Jinno is understanding what his family's history means to him and what effect it's had on him. Oh, sounds like an epic tale. Here's our second reading. The events of those days stayed with Shin Gummi for the rest of her life. She used to tell the stories of the early days of her and Ilchal's marriage to Jinno over and over again. By then, she was past 90 and had been separated from her husband for more than five decades since the Korean War. Fortunately, her son Jisan had lived to tell his own tale of how he went to find his father, 
and narrowly survived the war. But it seemed as though Gumi was clinging to her memories of her husband as a young man. Back then, your great-grandfather was still living near the market. After we got married, your grandfather landed a job at the Railway Bureau. So we moved into the rail workers' housing in Dangsanjong. We must have stayed there for three or four years. Your great-grandfather missed his workshop so much that we decided to move to Magam Gomo's place in Setmal. Your great-aunt had already gone to Manchuria by then. So, how did you and grandfather meet? Through a matchmaker, or, or was it a love marriage? <laughs> there was no matchmaker around since we weren't living in the countryside. But we didn't meet by chance on the street and fall in love either, said Gummi with a bashful smile. Then how? She covered her smile with her hand. Let's just say it was a bit of both. She meant that their marriage was half romantic and half arranged. When Gino kept pressing her, she brought up her husband's younger brother, Ichol. You've heard that my brother-in-law used to be a communist, right? Gino didn't understand what this meant until he was all grown up. And by then he had come to the bitter realization that his future had already been decided for him with absolutely no room for any other possibilities. He'd been given no choice but to live the life of a manual laborer. After all, his grandfather had defected to the north and his father had followed only to return as a wounded prisoner of war. And before that, his grandfather's brother was a communist who died in prison before liberation from Japan. Had his grandfather's choices also been made for him in advance? Perhaps even his great-grandfather Beckman's gruff, expressionless neutralism had been predetermined long ago. Well, how did they meet Kumi and Ilcho? Ah, well, I can tell you that. She actually met Ichol first. Okay. Um, she got wrapped up with him in organizing strikes at the factory where she was working. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, when she first met him, okay. she had a vision. And she has oh. this a lot when she meets someone for the first time. Mm. She had a vision of black stripes drawn over his outline. Oh. Um, and the thing is, her visions come true. Oh, dear. And as you heard... He died. Oh. He died uh, during the Japanese occupation. He died in prison. Mm -hmm. So. Ah, that's the black strong. Yes. She actually meets Ilchal when she visits their family house. And immediately there's a little spark between them. There's Ooh. something there. And we learn more about the strike and how she was one of the organizers, how Ichal was rallying the laborers, trying to make a change for the better of how she got arrested mm. during the strike, and how Ilchal came to visit her and how they decided to get married. Oh, wow. So now we have a new family. Okay. And we have two brothers leading two very different lives. So one, Ilchol, the older, is dedicated to the railway. Uh, the other, Ichol, the younger, is dedicated to liberation. Okay. And we're learning more of Gino as well and how his own life is actually, in some ways, a reflection of his grandfather's and his great-uncle's lives. Mm. And so we follow the, the brothers. They're on very separate journeys, but they're still intertwined here and there. Mm -hmm. um, Ichol meets a comrade, a young woman, 
who then turns into his love. Her name oh. is Yolk. And she's so passionate about overthrowing the colonizers. And that's what brings them together. Mm-hmm. And we also meet a rather horrible man. His name is Che Daryang. But he's taken the Japanese name of Yamashita. Oh. He's an informant turned police detective working hand in hand with the Japanese. And he was at the same school as Ilcho. They know each other. And he puts pressure on Ilcho. <sighs> because he wants to arrest Ichal and his co-conspirators. And so Ichal has to make a choice. If he doesn't persuade his brother to turn himself in, mm. then it's not just his brother in trouble, it's also Ichal and his family. Oh, no. So he goes to see his brother, and that's where the next excerpt will take off. In the U.S., Radio. we are on Sirius XM, Channel 144. Ilcho knew, having heard it from his wife, that his brother was hiding out at Mr. Ho's childhood home in Nakul. He went looking for him on his day off. Ilcho was surprised to see his brother there in person. Ilcho told him what he and Daryong had discussed. How could you do this to me? Ilcho said. I know being a slave to the Japanese is how you survive, but that's right. Our father has spent his whole life carving away at metal and trying to raise us without our mother. And now it's my job to take care of our family for him. You can curse at me all you want, but this is how all people without a country live. Our father may not say anything, but he would understand you as well as I do. But what about your wife and your unborn child? You say you want to be an activist, but then you drag the women folk into it. You have a baby on the way. You should be protecting your family instead. Ichal began to cry. He didn't bother to wipe away the tears as he tilted his face up and let out a deep sigh. I didn't set out to do that. It just happened. He promised to let your wife go with only a warning if you write a statement renouncing the cause. I could never do that to my comrades. I'd sooner be tortured to death. Ichal pleaded with his younger brother, pouring his heart into his words. They're saying that Bangu Chang died on the very first day of his interrogation. Can you imagine what they must have done to him? You have to find a way to stay alive. It's just a stupid piece of paper. Who cares? Your comrades will curse you for it, but you'll keep your health and live to fight again. It's not as if you're someone famous or one of the party leaders. The brothers were up all night together. The winter wind rattled the paper doors. Ilchal tossed and turned and was just barely on the edge of sleep when his younger brother murmured in the dark. Young, you awake? Huh? Yeah? Let's go to Yangdumpo tomorrow. Are you sure? Ilchal hesitated before answering. Just give me a chance to see York first and then I'll turn myself into Daryong the day after. So caught up in this story, Icho, I'm not hopeful for his future. He's going to go and turn himself in. But we're also trying to remember the chimney story. And yeah, there's all this going on. Wow. uh, As we as we fly back and forth between the different generations. Uh And we're just over halfway through. Oh, wow. 
And this is where I'm stopping. That's huge, this yeah. story, then. So there's way more to there's come. There's way more to come. Uh, there's much more to discover about the lives of Ilchal and Gino and Gummi and all the others. Um, you need to get this book. It's a big read, mm. but it's a really, really, really good read. Wow. Um, it's such a brilliant tribute to the, the struggles of the working classes in Korea in the 20th century. Mm. It's not about the bigwigs. It's not about the high and mighty revolutionary leaders. It's about the so-called... Little people, okay. and how much power they can actually have if they work together. Um, and then we have Gino's his chimney sit-in is a reflection of the struggle of modern-day laborers in Korea. Yeah, that um, happens, right? Yeah, it's workers are st- still not truly free. And there's also something I'll talk about very briefly. If you do get this book, there's mm. a great translator's note at the start where Sora Kim Russell and Young J Josephine Bay they set out. Um, how they they deliberately chose to use certain Korean terms and how it was important to keep the markers of a nation's culture, um, especially when that culture was being erased by the Japanese. And they talk about the the hidden violence of translation here and how they were decolonizing their translation, which I think is really important. I think we're going to be seeing more of this Mm. as the years go by, as, as Korea becomes more familiar to everyone as well, where you don't have to cater to somebody who's deliberately ignorant. Mm -hmm. We can all look things up on on Wikipedia or or Google. We can always look up a term. And the great thing is I learned so much from this book. Uh I learned, for example, uh, that the term teju Uh is the the, the spirit, the ghost of a a young child who died from smallpox. Wow, there's a word for that. There is a word for Mm -hmm. that. I had no idea. There's all this stuff packed in here. And even if you know nothing about Korea, It's explained, Mm. but they're not shy from using the actual Korean words. Like um, when they talk about jun, Mm -hmm. they 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 call them jun fritters Ah. or bindedok pancakes. Oh, nice. Together with the English. Yeah, making clear what they are and also... um, recognizing their Korean names, which is really, really good. It's a great book. Wow. Um, and I think, I think if you're interested in Korea, if you're interested in knowing why Korea is the way it is today, yeah. this is one of these novels that will give you so much insight from the perspective of the working classes. Wow. A one-line review, please, Paul. A tribute to the workers of Korea who, even while being beaten down by those in power, are always struggling to find a way to a fairer life. Yeah, across the generations, right? Still to this day. Thank you so much for your reading. Uh, thanks to everyone. Thanks, as always, to the Literature Translation Institute of Korea for the help with the copyright permission for this broadcast. Thanks to Hwang Sok Yong for his wonderful writing, to Sora Kim Russell and Young J. Josephine Bean for their incredible translation. Next week, I've got a free online short story. It's called Genesis. It's by Jun Sam He. It's translated by Anton He. Genesis by Jun Sam He, translated by Anton He. I'll be back next week with another book. Thank you. See you then, Paul. Have a good week. You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidang Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.